Hello, I'm Paco Alvarez, and this is the backstory from Type Investigations, where we sit down with our reporters and ask them to take us behind the scenes of their work. Type Investigations Inside Out Journalism Project works with incarcerated journalists to produce feature-length investigations into the criminal legal system. For the project's inaugural investigation, produced in partnership with The American Prospect, San Quentin news editor Juan Haynes and journalist Katie Rose Quant reported on San Quentin State Prison's continued use of its adjustment center to isolate people infected or exposed to COVID. In this conversation, we talked to Juan Moreno Haynes about what drew him to investigate the adjustment center, the challenges of reporting while incarcerated, and what it was like to report on the prison's COVID-19 crisis as he was living through it. What? initially drew you to investigating San Quentin's use of the Adjustment Center for COVID quarantine and isolation? Well, okay, so I got, I got the San Quentin in uh, 2007, and um, I started working with San Quentin News around 2009. I became a staff member around 2011. So living in, you know, living here, I mean, in this community, actual living conditions, you know, were a concern. The overcrowding, this is all pre-pandemic kind of stuff. And so one thing that really kind of drew my curiosity is how there was this disconnect between the medical department and custody department when it came to infectious diseases. I began just kind of like documenting and talking to people who got flu, there was the flu, there was chicken pox, there was Legionnaire's disease, there were staph infections, um, there was neurovirus here, um, and then there's this phrase, we just call it the San Quentin bug, you know, when somebody comes from another institution and it gets the San Quentin, they get this weird flu-like infectious disease that you, you have to get over. So, um, when it came to the adjustment center, um, the first time I reported up in the Jesuit Center was in uh, 2015 when several death row prisoners filed, it was six death row prisoners filed a lawsuit against how they were being treated. This was on the heels of the hunger strike in Pelican Bay. And so there were, there were a lot of lawsuits floating around inside California prisons simply about the living conditions. So my reporting about um, the adjustment center being used for medical isolation didn't happen in a vacuum. I initially began reporting about this section in San Quentin called Carson, and it's a housing unit in a uh, what's called South Block in San Quentin. It's a different area, and it's used for administrative segregation. Most people know that as the whole, and if you get into any trouble the prison officials would send you to Carson section and pending disciplinary findings or whatever, that's where, you know, that's where you land. So Carson is kind of like inside of a prison, it's like a jail. It's, it's kind of hold, a holding place for people who couldn't make it on the mainline areas of an institution pending some sort of either disciplinary or safety, you know, they're the person is afraid for their life. They need to isolate that person, segregate them from the regular population. So in San Quentin, they were using administrative segregation for medical isolation. And, you know, so I started reporting on that. When I met with the medical department, 
I was like, I was asking them, why would you send someone who's sick to an area of the prison typically used for punishment or for isolation? Because in, in the and the big deal about that is how the person is treated while they're in that housing unit. In other words, on the mainline areas of San Quentin, people walk around freely to get to their programs, their jobs, um, to the yard for recreation. So once you're like outside of your cell during normal hours, you conduct your business. It's like a small town, you know, just people milling about doing whatever. But when you're in administrative segregation, it's a high security area. So anytime you come out of your cell, you're handcuffed behind your back. You're wearing a white jumpsuit. You don't mingle with the mainline population for obvious safety and security reasons. Now, Van Quinton was using this for medical isolation then. And so the medical department and the custody department just didn't, you know, custody over override. So that was the dilemma and so I'm doing that reporting. Fast forward to the pandemic. I just met with the, the head doctor for San Quentin yesterday on this same conversation. Basically, why are we doing this? Why are we sending people who are sick to the hole? And for medical, it makes actually medical sense to send someone to where the adjustment center is because there's solid doors and you can really isolate a person. However, the problem is while they're there, they're treated like they're being punished. And so the medical treatment is literally a punishment. I was thinking about this, why in the world would this be acceptable? And I can't answer that question, but that's the reality. And so what drew me to write about the adjustment center being used for medical isolation is the actual counterproductive result that happened. So the reality is people don't want to report that they're sick. People are literally afraid of doctors around here because if you're sick, they're going to send you to the hole and nobody wants to do that. And how did you go about developing the sources you spoke to? Were people generally open to speaking with you? Again, I'll, I'll explain saying it's, it's a small town. Um, I've been here since 2007, so there's very few people that's been at this institution longer than me. And I've worked with the newspaper almost all this time. And I'm a no, I'm like, consider me Clark Kent of Smallville. So everybody knows me. And I'm trusted uh, by the community um, because I listen to people and I tell their stories. Uh, and, and the reason why um, I tell these stories is because if we don't tell our own stories, mainstream media won't. Uh, as an example to that, the past two months, San Quentin has been going on and off of quarantines. The rehabilitative reform nature of California prisons, San Quentin being the flagship of that, is not functioning because of infectious diseases. If it's acceptable, and I think that the, the reality is, is what California prison officials are telling the public, touting all the rehabilitation, which is true, all the programs, which is true, 
they don't function because we're overcrowded. And so no one's really getting to these programs because we're overcrowded. And when we're overcrowded, these infectious diseases rage and all the reform efforts that are put forth are pretty much negated because we're overcrowded. That's the story. What are some of the challenges of reporting while incarcerated, and how did those challenges impact your work on this investigation? Biggest challenge for reporting while incarcerated is not the prison system. It's not newsflash. I'm not going to say that prison officials don't care what people say about the system, but um, they don't. They don't. They don't handle it. I don't think they're afraid or leery of stories that talk about what the conditions are because this is prison and uh, society accepts that. So the biggest challenge for incarcerated reporters is getting the public to understand what the reality is here because mainstream media like if you talk, if, if, if you read any article from Reuters, Associated Press, not so much as San Francisco Chronicle, but typically you read a story or you hear a story about prisons, it'll be a single source story coming from prison officials and you won't get the side of the people who are directly impacted by incarceration. Now, the perception of people who are incarcerated are that this is quote unquote where all the bad guys are. So any anybody who's incarcerated, you know, typically uh, speaking, it, it sounds like, oh, that guy's just complaining about being in prison and prison is not supposed to be easy. Prison is supposed to be punishment. Prison is supposed to be hard. And that's true. Nevertheless, these same people who are incarcerated are coming home. They're coming out of prison, and the prison experience can do one or two things. It can either make you a better person, or it can make you a worse person. Now, there's a lot of policies that CDCR implement that are not good, and there's some that are good. For me, the challenge is uh, being able to have access to do all the reporting about everything that's happening behind bars, and then... uh, Getting those things in the public, uh, in the public eye, there, there are very few incarcerated reporters doing this kind of work, you know. And I'm gonna I'm send a shout out to Arthur Longworth and John L. Lennon because these are two of my heroes because they're doing the work, you know. So, and I guess related to that, what are some resources that newsrooms can provide to help incarcerated journalists report and write investigative pieces like this one? I think one of the main things is. Um, like, you know, I was fortunate to be able to work with Katie Rose on this piece. And, like, if, if an incarcerated reporter were teamed up with a, a newsroom on the outside with their resources, you know, just have access to the resources of a, of a uh, reporter on the outside, uh, then that, that would be tremendous, particularly when it comes to that data gathering or uh, evaluating data, or even uh, interviewing and getting online and pulling up vast amounts of information. Yeah, and and, um, and then finally, um, just 
uh, funding, you know, incarcerated writers is it, it, tremendous. I mean, it's in, incredible because the the, uh, the financial independence and stability allows the writers to just do their job. Um, you know, so uh, just funding these types of, of journalists are incredibly rewarding to journalism. It's, it's much needed. So you've been covering the COVID outbreak in San Quentin uh, since the beginning. What was it like to be living through the crisis as you reported on it? It, it was traumatizing. You know, the, the one word to describe it is traumatizing. You're trapped inside of an unventilated building that's typically held at about 150% of design capacity in a place where, um, you know, you, you, you're going to get sick. People are dying all around you. Your friends, one of my best friends died during the pandemic. I was at this, you know, Mike Hampton, I was at his wedding. His wedding. Uh, this guy was just a, such a great human being. And he was on his way out of prison, but he, he died from COVID. And there's stories like that that's over and over. I mean, I've, I've, my friends died because prison officials didn't want to, you know, do the right thing. And a lot of these decisions are purely political. And I can guarantee you a prison like San Quentin where people are going to introspective programs to deal with their issues, to deal with who they used to be and who they are now, typically incarcerated 20, 25, 30 years in their 50s, 60s, and 70s or in retirement age. And for political reasons, you know, you're saying that, oh yeah, you're still dangerous. You're, you, you're a threat to society. Um, you know, you're saying that about a person who hasn't committed a violent act in decades, not because they're locked up, because they truly made changes in their lives. And I'm talking about Mike Hampton. This guy was, if he walked out of this prison alive, was in downtown San Francisco, his big smile and gracious life would have blessed a lot of people. Lo and below, you would have never known he spent a couple of decades in prison because he changed and turned his life around. But human beings are not given that second chance, that opportunity for pure political reasons. Uh, politicians are afraid to do the right thing when it comes to incarceration in the United States. It's an easy political victory to say I'm tough on crime. I'll put that burglar behind bars. And mainstream media doesn't help the matter by continually depicting crime as a huge problem in the United States, and it is, but it's out of context from the reality that there's a lot of people who just need help. And the, the mental health crisis that this country is going through, the addiction problem that this country has. And so tackling these problems on the, on the uh, end of crime is not going to solve addiction to mental illness. So, uh, yeah, it's, the COVID reporting here was, for me was traumatizing because I lived through it. I got COVID. I was, I was left for dead, literally left for dead. You know, I'm not even talking about the lawsuit that was filed against CDCR officials where 
the top appeals court judge in California, Anthony Klein, said that what San Quentin prison officials did to its incarcerated population was morally indefensible and constitutionally untenable. In order the prison officials to reduce the population to levels that are manageable, but they didn't do that, and they're still not doing that. And manageable is, is a subjective term. From a medical perspective, everybody here knows that if we were living one person per cell, it would be a lot healthier. But that's not the policy here. You have two people living in a cell, four by ten, smaller than your average parking space. You see? And so, if your cell gets sick, you can guarantee you get sick. I've gotten every disease, every infectious disease at San Quentin I got, except for chicken pox because I was vaccinated against that. So I had Legionnaires, staph infections, neurovirus, multiple times. I got COVID. Um, I get the flu every season, even though I get a flu shot. So, um, you know, and it's because this place is too crowded. Mm-hmm. It's overcrowded. The only people that can help us the incarcerated population save us are the courts and they fail to do that because politicians definitely won't and uh my last question is uh have you received any feedback or uh retaliation from from inside no not, you know uh, no. i mean for me it, 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 any type of retaliatory action against me is just another story and so no i get like snide remarks and this and that but at the same time I get praise from prison officials not for the critical stories that I write because, but I also write about restorative justice and drug treatment programs um, policies that are doing a, 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 trend, a tremendous amount of good to the incarcerated population it, as, I, as I always I'm, I'm your regular small town reporter and I'm going to talk about the, the good the bad and the ugly there are a few good things happening behind these bars and the biggest thing is the drug treatment program and that program literally saved lives. You can read San Quentin is still punishing people for being sick at the American Prospect or the Type Investigations website. Check our show notes for a link to the story. A transcript of this backstory is available at typeinvestigations.org backstory.